Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please play responsibly. For help, visit MDGamblingHelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Heisman Trophy is awarded to Kyla Murray of Oklahoma <laughs> University. Welcome to Three Yards Per Carry, a podcast covering the Miami Dolphins and the NFL. Now, here's your hosts, Chris, Alf, and Simon. And we're on, and welcome to Three Yards Per Carry. I'm Alfredo Artiaga. I have Chris Kaufman here. We do not have Simon Clancy because he's on a plane on the way to Paris. Yes, most of us are not on planes on the way to Paris, but he is to do to conduct some type of interview that he didn't want to do, but there he is. This, this was upsetting to me because I was, uh, you know, little did you know, I was going to bow out of tonight's podcast because I've been battling a head cold. And so I, I thought that my voice, I, th- I sound a little bit better than I thought I would right now, but uh, I thought I was going to be croaking. And so I was going to bow out of this and like, oh yeah, Alf and Simon can do it. But he had, first off, he said it first and that, you know, first, first gets it. And second, he had the better excuse. He's actually on a plane and he can't, he's on his way to Paris. You yeah. know, a surprise mission with his work <laughs> to Paris. He's like scrambling for his passport and he's like, I've got, I've, I've got to go to the airport right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But we were talking that maybe, you know, we'll, for our listeners, you know, not to, to jip you out of 
your opportunity to listen to Simon Clancy. Maybe we give you a bonus pod later on this week. Talk oh. a little draft. Who knows? Oh, lovely. Okay. But this morning at 9.46 a.m., Twitter went bong shit. <laughs> What's <It's>, bong shit? <laughs> it's it's, it's, a, it's a, a combination of ape shit and bonkers. And that's actually, uh, that's trademark. That belongs to me, all right? I've been saying that okay. for years. Okay. You, yeah. And I'm like, okay, what's going on? Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray's everywhere. And I said, well, let me, let me go check his account. And he posts this on Twitter this morning. Moving forward, I am firmly and fully committed my life and time to becoming an NFL quarterback. Football has been my love and passion my entire life. I was raised to play quarterback. And I'm very much looking forward to dedicating 100% of myself to being the best quarterback possible and winning NFL championships and making a ton of money, of course. I have started an extensive training program to further prepare myself for upcoming NFL workouts and interviews. I eagerly await the opportunity to continue to prove to NFL decision makers that I am the franchise quarterback in this draft. Your thoughts when you saw that this morning? Chris. Well, I don't know if I had thoughts so much as physical sensations. Um, but <laughs> it's, it's a little bit confusing, like, because he says, oh, I've entered a training program. I'm getting ready for the combine and pro day. He's already been doing that. <laughs> he, yeah. And he's been doing it for a while. And we saw mm-hmm. that. We saw that video of him throwing to Antonio Brown. I mean, we, we saw how jacked he was and, you know, how he's been clearly – Clearly, he's been working out physically and beefing up physically. I wouldn't be surprised if right now – I mean, his listed weight was 195, and yeah. he told Dan Patrick a long time ago, not recently, not that recent interview that everybody made a big thing about. Um, he told him a while ago that he was one – he truly and, you know, truly, truthfully is 195. And, uh, and then I heard from somebody – I didn't hear the interview myself – but I heard, heard he was on Sirius XM radio during Super Bowl week, and he said that he was up to 200. And I wonder if he's gaining a little bit of weight because, he, you know, he's got to be aware that, you know, hey, Russell Wilson checked in at 204 pounds or, you know, uh, yeah. or he checked in at the Senior Bowl at 203 pounds. And he needs to, you know, he needs to best that because Russell Wilson is even heavier now. And so he needs to – so I wonder if he's gaining a little bit of weight um, to try and uh, – pack some on and, and impress people at the weigh-in at the combine but he's clearly been working out he's clearly been preparing he was at the super bowl week like radio row and he's doing all these things before he he had already it already leaked that he was going to the combine i mean how you know i don't know but he, he well it he cost tried him to some money out. what was it that it cost him with the oakland a's that he had to return what was it 1.29 million of his 1.5 signing bonus that's right. According to, um, I think his name is Jeff Passon, uh, he has to give back That's about one of the 1. best 3. baseball beat writers anywhere. Yeah, uh, unfortunately. And I say like, you know, I say it like I don't know the name only because I know nothing about baseball. So, um, but it, he's uh, like got to give back. It's like saying Peter yeah. King. <laughs> like so, this guy named Peter king (laughs) um yeah he's got to give back 1.3 million million dollars of signing bonus and he will forego the salaries that he which i think amounts to about you know 3.4 million of the remaining salaries that he would have otherwise gotten with baseball and um that's too bad for him but he's gonna make uh he's gonna make a lot more money a lot sooner in the nfl especially if he goes 
yeah. you know, where I think he could go. Um, yeah, because baseball, what, what people don't understand, because everybody just has it, like, ingrained in their head. Well, first of all, you know, it's harder to get a head injury in baseball. Okay, so let's get that out of the way. So it's much, much more riskier to play NFL football. But if we're just talking about dollars and cents, people have yep. it in their head somehow that if you go to baseball, you're going to make just these gobs and gobs of money. But you really Oh, yeah, $200 million easy, you know, just yeah. for being a mediocre player. Yeah, it doesn't really work that way. Baseball teams tend to control you for about five years before they actually yeah. can pay you. Right? I, I hear it's even – I know nothing about it, but I hear it's even worse than, like, the rookie contract thing with the yes, NFL. it is. It is much worse. So, yeah, so, I mean, so and, and that actually brings to mind an issue, though, with Kyler. And, and I go back to the 2018 MLB draft, right? He goes number nine overall. Yeah. And uh, he's obviously – at that point, I, I forget when that draft takes place. I think it's, like, January-ish or something like that. Uh, no, it's toward the – it's in June, I believe. Oh, is it in June? Okay, yeah. so so this draft happens in June. I, it's those J months. Um, it, it, it takes place when it takes place, whenever it took place, right? He's getting ready to play the season with the Oklahoma Sooners. It's striking to me how he gets drafted number nine overall in the MLB, and they're giving him a $1.3 million signing bonus, dangling $3.4 million worth of salaries in front of him. And then there's this you know, as you say, baseball controls your life for like five years, but then you're in line for that big deal, right? That then you, you're ready to make the big contract. And that's the thing that everybody in baseball is looking forward to and what yeah. they work to for. To clean that up, by the way, he was drafted on June 4th. Of June 4th. There you go. Uh, so, any, so anyway, he's got all this in front of him with baseball. And he, he told baseball, you know, I don't care where you draft me and I don't care who drafts me. I'm playing for the Oklahoma Sooners this year because I committed to them. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, and they're counting on him. At that point, they were counting on him. I mean, they, they trained him for – they groomed him for two years under Baker Mayfield. They transferred him. And they, you know, he had been through – if it was June, then he'd been through spring practices and everything like that. Uh, so they were counting on him. And he said, you know, I don't care how many millions I'm going to – you know, put off into the, into the future a little bit. I'm, I'm staying here. I'm staying here and I'm doing my one year. And I think a lot of people would say, well, yeah, that's because he had the NFL money in mind. He wanted to do the NFL and stuff. Well, think about it. At this point, he was a former four-star prospect of which there are hundreds out there any given year. And he had busted his way out of Texas A&M was not successful. He had a few games at Texas A&M in his uh, freshman year and was not successful at all. And all he'd really done is sit behind Baker Mayfield for a couple of years and be the guy that's not even five foot 10, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And so who was whispering in his ear at that point being like, Oh man, you got that NFL money at quarterback. No, nobody. He's not thrown anything at Oklahoma. All he'd done is be on the field in 2015, like once upon a time and not be very good. So he came back to Oklahoma for the team. I mean, because to honor his commitment and because of his love for football. So that's a, that was a pretty, this is the thing that I've, that I've seen scouts like point to is like this decision of his to play football that extra year and tell those MLB teams, no matter what, no matter who drafts me, I'm going to go ahead and be an Oklahoma sooner this year. That was when we should have known, you know, that was when, when or at least I've seen baseball scouts say that yeah. that was, that was when we should have known. 
And the only reference point we have to this in recent history is Patrick Mahomes. And Mahomes was, was not a high draft pick. But the reason he wasn't a high draft pick. He was a pick, second rounder, wasn't he? Uh, or was no, it he, was, he was a 37th round pick. Oh, was he? Yes. I, for, I could for, swear he gave up like time. real legit money. He did. I'll, I'll explain to you what happened with okay. Patrick Mahomes, okay? It's a baseball thing. Yeah, he only got drafted that late because he was given an ultimatum by most baseball scouts. Quit football. He did not. He decided to play one more year. And it was basically around baseball circles that he was not going to, to play baseball. So the Tigers just took a flyer like, when you know, you never uh, know. Maybe he busts okay. out and we have his rights. But right. what they decided to, see, to do was once they saw that he was an actual legitimate NFL prospect, the Tigers offered him something like $3 million to wow. quit football. And he said, no, he said, I want to play, I want to play football and that's it. Yeah. And let me tell you one thing about Patrick Mahomes as a baseball prospect. I think in my opinion, he was a better prospect than Kyler Murray because he had already made 95 mile per hour arm already. Nice. And, and he was, a, he's a son of a ball player. I mean, like he's the a son of a guy who played uh, 11 years in the major leagues. Yeah. Like so 11 yeah. years in MLB. He's not like just some minor leagues guy. Yeah. No. So he had the Patrick pedigree. Mahomes, like he grew up around it too. Like yeah. I remember listening, reading stories about, you know, who he was shagging balls for, you know, back in the day when he was a kid. And, uh, and yeah, he was, he was really around it. So he had a decision to make. And that was interesting, you know, after this Dan Patrick controversy, yeah, the Dan Patrick interview that everybody talks about where Kyler Murray just didn't want to say anything, but Dan Patrick kept picking at it anyway. And so he, I think they tried to be comical about it, but it just ended up being awkward and, and, and not good. But yeah, so after that controversy, people are digging on Kyler Murray and like, ah, oh, you know, why, why didn't, why won't you tell us what, what you're going to do and stuff like that? And it was actually Patrick Mahomes who came to his defense on Twitter. It was like, listen, I know why you got, y'all got to ask the question, but at the same time, he's making the biggest decision of his life. And I've been, you know, he was implying I've been there too. And, um, and so, you know, give off. It's going to make the decision when he's ready. <laughs> uh, and, and right now he is ready. And, um, you know, I don't, I, I, I'm not sure I can, really nail down exactly what you think uh, of him, you know, and, and what the Dolphins should do here, if anything. But I think that what I think about him probably has, has been no secret. <laughs> yeah. Now the thing about Patrick Mahomes where, where you probably got that second round draft pick thing is that that was his like draft grade for baseball. Ah, it was his grade. Okay. Yeah. And he was a great prospect, a spectacular prospect. And you know, his father was a six-round pick, now that I'm looking up here. And, yeah, his pedigree was legitimate. And had he chosen baseball, he would have he made some money. But the problem is that he, he was a college pitcher. And, and in baseball, college pitchers usually don't go that high. They usually want high school kids, you know? You know, I find it interesting that Kyler Murray was not a pitcher, that he was, uh, you know, that, he, that he's more of a hitter, a hitter and a fielder. I mean, like, yeah. uh, because hitter, baseball hitters – one thing I've been taught, what little exposure I have to baseball. I know some people that are actually in in baseball. I know a guy that's um, that's a part owner of a of a minor league team, and and we talk about it every now and then. And um, you know, baseball hitters have some of the best damn eyes you'll ever find. Like their vision, like literal, you know, absolutely. Acuity. 
<laughs> but that's not that, that's not, yeah but let me tell you that's not the front page on Kyler Murray the front page on Kyler Murray is that he would be immediately a gold glove candidate in center field. oh yeah like he would he would save you runs over the course of a season well, he's so he's so fast right I mean, exactly that's... so he's a spectacular fielder he even has some experience in in middle infield so he might have even played maybe second base who knows maybe shortstop because he's that good of an athlete but that's all neither here nor there now because yeah, he is he now a football player. Now, let's get into the conspiracy theories. Is it okay. possible, okay, I'm just going to throw that out there, that he got no. a draft guarantee? I think it has to be because uh, what I'd been hearing b- even before this is that he had kind of been developing a bit of a preference list of what he mm-hmm. wanted to do or where he wanted to go, and baseball was on it. So, yeah. uh, you know, there were, there were teams, you know, number one, number two, and, and baseball was down the list. And I will say that from what I had been told, the Dolphins were on that list of preferences. And I, I was led to believe, and I think that it is, it is somewhat, it's got to be somewhat true, um, that part of it is, is just determining the place where he could start right away. I don't think, he's been, he's been sitting behind Baker Mayfield for two years at Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he finally got to play and he went, you know, all out and just was ridiculous when he did finally get, I don't think he wants to sit on the bench anymore. I don't think he wants to sit the New York giants. Uh, they're a Roto world headline just now. Uh, the New York giants think Kyler Murray is too small. Well, I think, I think Kyler Murray thinks the New York giants are too Eli Manning <laughs> because I don't think he wants to sit behind Eli Manning. I don't think he wants to go to the Raiders and sit behind Derek Carr. If they trade Derek Carr, that's another story. So I don't, I think he is looking at places like Miami who are almost positive to get rid of Ryan Tannehill and not have anything behind him unless yeah. you count like Jake Rudock and David Fails and uh, and uh, I can't even go on. Um, and, you know, so it, he's looking at a team like Miami or the other option, Arizona, because Cliff Kingsbury, you know, he kind of he wore it on his sleeve with Kyler Murray. He said straight up, I love, adore Kyler Murray, and if I had the number one pick in the draft, I would take Kyler Murray number one overall. And, well, you know, it just so happens, you do. <laughs> okay, well, let's get into it. This morning, as I woke up and I saw all of this happening on Good Morning Football, they were talking about it, and all of a sudden, everything changed from two weeks ago when everybody was saying, oh, he's a second-round talent or a late first-round pick and a flyer, and we're not sure if he wants to play football. All of a sudden, the consensus was, oh, my God, this guy's going to be a top five pick. He's going to be a top yeah. ten pick. And yeah. they had a guy on there. Uh, I think it was Bucky Brooks who had his mock draft up. And they put it up on the screen, and they had the Miami Dolphins at 13 taking Kyler Murray. Yeah. And to a consensus, it was a cons- complete consensus on that set. Everybody said, no way. He doesn't make it there. So, yeah. <laughs> so, so I'll, I'll, I, this was one really, really quick change of heart. In and you know what? They're going. They're all going to pretend like they've been saying that the whole time. <laughs> okay, so let's game plan it. You ready? Yeah. Number one overall, Arizona Cardinals. Does he go there? No, I don't think he does. Uh, and okay, I now, think that... now, let me ask you this question. Let's say okay. he does go there. Okay. Can the Dolphins offer the 13th pick for Josh Rosen, and would that be enough? It would be enough. I don't think it would. If I don't know if it would be wise at this point, but it it would certainly be enough. 
uh, I think that the Arizona Car- Cardinals would be fools not to take it. Here's the thing: I don't, I don't see them going ahead and taking Kyler Murray and then keeping hold of Josh Rosen. You know, just because at that point it will be so obvious why they ended up taking Kyler Murray. Yeah, you know, him being the favorite of Cliff Kingsbury. When is Josh Rosen ever going to feel like he got a fair shake there? Yeah. Um, and, and so you know, at that point, I'm not sure that they'll. I mean, they've just got to they've just got to monetize him and do the best that they can. Uh, and in this quarterbacks class, with you know Drew Locke and Dwayne Haskins and Daniel Jones as his competitors, uh, yeah, they could get they could get a a fairly nice piece of compensation for it. I don't think mm-hmm. it's going to be fire sale stuff. Um, but I I don't know if the Dolphins should get into that. I, I I'm more interested in Kyler Murray at this point. But I I kind of think with Josh Rosen already there, clearly still a favorite of the GM who is not new. Uh, the head coach might be new, but the GM is not. They might feel like, you know, we can take a guy. We can take a guy with the number one overall pick, and then they got what? They probably got number. They got number thirty three overall, don't they? Um, I believe so. So, you know, maybe maybe they're going to work that. I, I think that's got to be the thinking unless, unless it, you know, Kyler Mania really takes hold like, like I think it could. But, um, you know, if it does, then at that point they might be forced into it. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think Nick Bosa right there. You, you have the yeah. opportunity to have Chandler Jones and Nick Bosa. That's a hell of a head start on a defense. Right. So and, – and, yeah, so, I mean, if you've, if you've already got the court – a quarterback, not right. not the quarterback. So um, yeah, you either like maybe, your guy maybe you're feeling comfortable enough. Yeah. All right. Let's move on. Number two, San Francisco 49ers. You got to think yeah. Garoppolo is still there, right? Well, they're locked in there. Uh, and uh, I was looking at that contract the other day um, just because I wanted to make sure. Because hell, at this point, you're Miami and you've got Chad O'Shea and Jerry Shaplinsky. Uh, you got to be thinking maybe we should get Garoppolo from them. Uh, or, or maybe, maybe the, maybe the 49ers will think about moving on from him and, um, and doing that. Uh, and I think that Garoppolo based on the contract is pretty locked in. I think there's a lot of guaranteed salary there. So it's not like they're going to have any surprise cutting or moving. You know, Mm -hmm. I think if any, maybe, maybe there's a trade who knows, but I don't think so just based on how much money they've already paid him. Right. They've already paid him. I, I know I hate to look at the amount of money that's already been paid, but the amount of money that's already been paid in this case, I think is prohibitive that you're, you're just, it's hard to swallow for that, you know, for just one year of like yeah. whatever, or what is it? Two year. Yeah. Like half a year that he gave you. Yeah. It might be, it might be too hard of a pill to swallow for them. So they might, they might do it. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying they won't do it, but, um, but if they do, likely. then Jimmy, yeah, unlikely, and Jimmy won't necessarily shake free unless Miami just blows them away with an offer. And I actually do, unlike Josh Rosen, I do think that they might be interested there. Yeah, and it, it makes sense because the look of the people that are coming in to coach the team now. So yeah. it makes yeah. perfect sense. Absolutely. All right, number three, the New York Jets. No, right? Sam Darnold, we're, it's safe. He's not going to be in New York. Yeah, yeah that's, that's just a pretty firm no. They're not even going to think about it at that point. Okay. Number four, the Oakland Raiders. That's interesting. Yeah, it's interesting. I don't think Kyler's going to want to go there, but um, but you know, I I wonder if the Raiders would kind of fear if they took him, 
that if he's like going to turn around and be like, Oh, maybe I could play both. <laughs> yeah. Uh, because I'll be in Oakland and, uh, and the A's might be up for it. Well, uh, he, Oakland is leaving to Las Vegas and they might not even play in Oakland next year. They're looking for true. a new home. Remember? That's true. That's true. That's very up in the Coliseum. So they're, yeah, I think mostly home. it's Derek Carr. Mostly it's Derek Carr stands in the way there. And yeah. uh, if they don't trade him, then Kyler's not going to want to go there. And and from there, it's hard to say whether John Gruden forces it anyway. All right, number five is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I'm going to go ahead and say no. The coach no, there is Bruce, Bruce Arians. He likes he likes vets. He does not want well, to say one specific vet. <laughs> yes, he loves he James likes, Winston. Don't he loves James Winston. Yeah, yeah, but that's his that's guy. What it is, it is what it is. Bruce Arians would have been one of our top choices to be yep. Dolphins head coach. Because sure. he is an absolute, like, when people say, oh, this guy's a genius, that guy's a genius. Well, yep. he is an actual genius. Like, Bruce Arians knows offensive football. He would have been one of my first choices, but he, he carved it out. He said, I want yep. to be the Tampa Bay Buccaneers head coach. And he got the job. And he has his quarterback. So, number six, the New York Giants. He's too little, right? And well, that's what the, the rumor is today. I, I wonder if that's convenient. But... You know, that's the rumor today. Uh, they do have Eli Manning. They are sticking with him for another year. That doesn't mean they can't draft a young guy anyway. They probably will, as a matter of fact. Um, but would Kyler want to do do that? Would he want to go to New York to sit behind Eli for a while? Uh, I think Dwayne you know, Haskins I, makes too much sense. I, I'd almost pencil does, him. does, but right he doesn't make much sense over Kyler Murray, in my opinion, because no, but to the Giants, they're does. two different talent levels. Yeah. All right, number seven is where I, I begin to sweat. I don't see it. Number seven. I begin to sweat. The Jacksonville Jaguars. Nah, I'm not sweating here because I think it's got to be a worst kept secret at this point that they're getting Nick Foles. Really? Yeah, okay. yeah. I mean, D. Filippo is their offensive coordinator now, right? Yeah. Was he not Nick Foles' quarterback's coach in Philadelphia? Yes, he was. I mean, I, there's a reason. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I, it, I think, it makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? Yeah, that's that's what I think. I mean, the they Jacksonville Jaguars. Another thing, another thing we can't gloss over that defense. Remember, they bought and paid for it, right? They well, bought the NFL, it. When you buy and pay for things, the bill comes due like three years down the road. Yeah, it's got an expiration tag. <laughs> yes, and right. and that expiration tag basically screams: you better get into and win a Super Bowl in the next two years before you tear down the entire defense. And and Doug Marone is still their coach. Do you think yeah. Doug Marone is trying to go for a, a a total reset like Miami style here? Yeah. No, not at all. All right. Like, so we get Nick Foles. They were just in the AFC freaking championship one year ago, and they're they got to be thinking, you know, what, if we don't have Blake friggin' Bortles, then we can be in that AFC championship again or better. And mm. that's they're gonna go for Nick Foles. I'm telling you right now. Call it. All right, so we skate through there. And then it's the Detroit Lions at number eight. Matt Patricia, it's not going to happen. They got Stafford there making good money. I would, yeah. I, would just, I would just say no, okay? He's not going there. Number nine, the Buffalo good, Bills. Yeah. They just got their young quarterback. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a non-starter. They could trade it to somebody, but not that's a non-starter. Okay, now number 10 is interesting is the Denver Broncos. There's, uh, Drew Locke has been mocked there relentlessly. Yeah. And – Benjamin Albright, a guy that we respect, says that the Denver Broncos are enamored with Drew Locke. So yeah. you make a lot of sense to number 10, the Denver Broncos. 
So we're inching toward thir- 13 here. Number yeah. 11 is scary. Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah, I, I guess. But it's, it's Zach Taylor, right? <laughs> yes, it is. It's the home improvement kid. <laughs> um, I don't know. I don't – at that point, you're right. It does get to be, be a little difficult uh, trying to figure it out. And, you know, will Zach Taylor – does he just want to re- recommit to Andy Dalton and make things better? I mean, he's been productive at ver- various points in his career. It's hard to say. I, at this point, I'm – you know, anybody's game. At this point, in reality, I think Kyler Murray has already gone because somebody trades up or, you know, that's the way it's, it's always been. Well, we're operating, these... we're operating on the assumption that the Miami Dolphins want Kyler Murray. So, okay. So they could either stay, stay put or they can move up and be, you know, have their, their ear to the phone and whoever's yeah. ringing up to move up. I guess you got to beat that off or you got to pony up if you want them. Yeah, you got to beat them. All right. Number 12 is Aaron Rodgers because it's the Green Bay Packers. Yeah, right. So I don't see them taking Kyler Murray. Aaron Rodgers has a good five, six years left. Yeah, and, and also Aaron Rodgers wouldn't take too kindly to it. <laughs> no. And then number 13, it's us. It's the Miami Dolphins, and we're sitting there, and we got Kyler Murray on the board in sure. our unofficial mock draft that we just did right here. Right. So it begs the question, if we want him, we can take him. Do they take him? Early prediction. Well, it, when does something nice ever happen to us? Um no, uh, probably not. But I will say this uh, to argue against myself: uh, if if Chris Greer was going to be such a prototype guy about the quarterback position, I don't see how he could have rated Baker Mayfield as highly as he did last year, because yeah. we know how highly they did regard him. Yeah, they and had him number so, one overall. They had him the yes. number one board. No, number one player that, on the board was Baker Mayfield for the. Yeah, league. and that's not just rating a guy a first rounder and saying, no, and that's not, and that's not after it, and, and that's not after the fact that everybody saw that he went number one overall to right. the Cleveland Browns. No, that was when everybody was saying he was going to go tenth or eleventh. Yep. They had him and number they, one on their board. So they had him number one on the board, and uh, and I don't see if you're a proto if you're a strict prototype guy, I don't see how you do that. And, uh, and so I, I think they're going to be watching Kyler Murray and they're going to say, well, Jesus, there's, there's a, lot of, a lot of the stuff that we loved about Baker Mayfield is sitting right here and staring us in the face too uh, with this guy. And then he can also do some things that Baker Mayfield never could. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, but then the only thing he can't do that Baker Mayfield can is be over six foot. So, um, you know, that's – I don't know. That's the question. If he was going to be a strict prototype guy, it's hard for me to imagine him rating Baker Mayfield as high as he did, not just a first rounder, but you know, that high. And the other thing is people talk about Chad O'Shea and obviously he's got his experience with Tom Brady, who's been prototype, you know, pocket passer, uh, six foot four and a half, six foot five, Mm -hmm. um, can drop the ball over, over into the shallow middle really well. And you wonder, okay, is Chad O'Shea's offense such that he needs that, that he needs the quarterback to be able to do that? I don't know. Uh, Chad O'Shea, before he got to New England, was, uh, was with Daryl Bevel in Minnesota forming, you know, helping to, uh, to establish an offense around Tarvers Jackson. 
I mean, that was their quarterback. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and they had a pretty successful offense, too. And Daryl Bevel, of course, went on to coach Russell Wilson in Seattle and, uh, and was Russell Wilson's probably most successful uh, offensive coordinator. And so, uh, so I wonder about that. And let's, let's also not forget that once upon a time, Chad O'Shea was himself a short quarterback for the Houston Cougars. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I don't know. I question that a little bit. We'll, we'll see. I think that overall I just say no only because I've been trained to say no. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm on it. I've been, I've been uh, very uh, painful. Well, you're, you're a Miami Dolphins fan. So you've been yeah. seeing monsters under your bed. I've been all conditioned. Of <laughs> you're conditioned to bad things happening. But yeah, absolutely. It can but change in an I instant. will say this. I will say this. Uh, you know, and I get asked this a lot about context, you know, and who do I compare Kyler Murray to? Do, you know, how do, how do I like him compared to this guy or that guy? I'm not really good at like comparing a, a, a prospect right now to guys from like 10 years ago or eight years, you know, cause, cause I don't know. It's just, there's so much of a time dislocation. So many cognitive biases enter the frame at that point. I, mm-hmm. I it's not even a worthwhile discussion to me, but I can give you some context. I was looking at my quarterback ratings over the years and I do have my quarterback uh, evaluations or a lot of them um, and rankings from the last 15 drafts. And so I do have, you know, who all my QB ones were. And I do know that, you know, there were, there were nine of them that were not just sort of a QB one, but also like, I feel really good about this guy going number one overall uh, to a Q to a, a quarterback needy team. Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and just a guy that stands up to pretty much any draft is just a good, a guy you can feel good about from a talent standpoint is uh, is a good prospect and he should go number one overall. And Kyler Murray will easily and comfortably be my 10th there i think that he is a number one overall talent i think he's a franchise quarterback i think that he should go to the arizona cardinals at number one overall i don't i don't know if they'll do that or not but that's that's what we're talking about with kyler murray i'm 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 talking about a legit player that will hurt defenses stand out possibly have mvp caliber years and get you a crack i don't know if he will get you this but he will get you a crack at a super bowl one day God help us. Yeah. All right. We got to move on. And Simon will read some words from our great sponsor, Bet DSI. But before we do that, I got a trivia question for you. Oh, yeah. Kyler Murray goes in the first round. He'll be the third quarterback under 6-1 drafted in the NFL draft. Can you name the other two? Under 6-1. Yes. Uh, Michael Vick and Drew Brees the same year. Nope. <laughs> so who's the other one? Who is the other? Who is the other one that was drafted that's listed under six? Yeah, or under six foot one. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Um, God, I knew this. Uh, was Sonny Jurgensen? No. Johnny oh. Manziel. What? Really? Yes. Johnny yeah. Manziel. I'll be damned. And that's courtesy of ESPN Facts Event and Info. Yeah, but their facts and info are so crappy because they're they're talking about Drew Brees as a six foot one quarterback, and he's a quarter inch above six foot. And but Mike Drew Brees was also not drafted in the first round; he was drafted in the second round. Oh, that's true. That's that's <laughs> oh, that's a fair point. You got me there. <laughs> okay, but he doesn't qualify technically under their criteria. Yeah, their criteria are crap. <laughs> yeah. All right. 
Well, here's Simon to tell you about BetDSI. We need to talk about our sponsor, BetDSI, who've been with us for months. We are very, very grateful. And as the NCAA and NFL seasons come towards a conclusion, you can take your pigskin knowledge to the bank with our sponsor, BetDSI.com. They have almost 21 years online and an impeccable reputation for great service and fast payment for your cash. Excellent mobile interface. If you're wandering around aimlessly like 98% of human beings do, looking at their phones all the time, you can play, win, get paid, bet, anytime and to help you get started if you haven't already they're offering double your money on your first deposit so you deposit start winning and get up to two and a half thousand dollars free that's double your money from the get-go so when it comes to anything football ncaa football major league baseball when it starts again ufc the basketball the premier league esports political stuff anything you can bet on brexit whether it's going to happen or not if you're that inclined i mean you wouldn't be but if you were they've got every wager you could want or imagine if it's happening in sport bet dsi've got it so join today using promo code yards 101 that's yards 101 to get in the action and get paid you can enjoy the games much more when you play at betdsi.com and we're back and we've got more to talk about i swear aside from just Kyler Murray, um, maybe. But there is some news uh, to talk about or some things to digest as we, uh, we go around in Dolphin land and, and this, this uh, off-season when, you know, there are no games being played. Uh, we did – God, how many times have we done this podcast and we've come in and we've been like, hey, we've got a coach or we've got coaches? Well, again, we have coaches. The Miami Dolphins have announced – their assistants um they have uh you know i'm going to try to to think about them all i'm going to miss some of the assistant assistant guys but i know that on offense they have jim caldwell that is official he's going to be a special assistant on offense offensive coordinator chad o'shea quarterbacks coach jerry shaplinski running backs coach eric studsville uh, tight ends coach is going to be George Godsey. Offensive line coach is going to be Pat Laherty. Uh, they have the wide receivers coach, Carl Durrell, who we should recognize as he's been our wide receivers coach before, of course. Uh, and then on the defensive side of the ball, uh, they do not have a special assistant or a consultant uh, a la Dom Capers or Brett Bielema, as we're rumored. Un- unfortunately, fortunately, it doesn't matter at this point because they're not here. Uh, but they have a defensive coordinator, Patrick Graham. They have a defensive line coach, Marion Hobby. They have a linebackers coach, Robbie uh, Leonard. And then they have a safeties coach. They have a safeties coach who is a holdover, Tony Oden. And then they have a corners coach who was a total surprise. We had no idea that he was coming. He's uh, Josh Boyer, who's been the corner corners coach for the New England Patriots for um, for a while now, and been a you know alarmingly successful corners coach, and uh, kind of a coup for Miami to pull him along uh, with Jerry Shaplinski and Chad O'Shea and Brian Flores um, at Al. So uh, and then the special teams coach, of course, replacing Darren Rizzi, the most unpopular man in Miami, most likely because Darren Rizzi was the most popular man in Miami. Well, Danny Cross. You know, endorsed them for for president or yeah, absolutely. Abe, for, Abe, Abe, honest, honest Abe uh, yeah. <laughs> endorsed them, and um, and lots of others. I think the I think the Buddha Siddhartha Gautama endorsed them, and uh, and yeah. So uh, Darren Rizzi, that is not Danny Crossman. Nobody will endorse Danny Crossman. He's the devil. <laughs> yes, but it seems like we kind of mind the New England Patriots organization. 
You think this is yeah? Like they good? are picked clean. Have you looked at that? That look. It does look. Page? It does look pretty uh, sparse. I would say. Go on the website, folks, and look at their. Go to New England Patriots, their website, whatever it is. Um, I think it's like uh, www.chea.triots.com, and um, and look for their coaches. And you'll see on their coaches page, like they have nobody on defense because because Brendan Daly left too. Brendan Daly was their defensive line coach, and he went to the Kansas City Chiefs. So now there's just Steve Belichick. <laughs> He's just sitting there all by his lonesome. And then on offense, they still have uh, Josh McDaniels and uh, their tight ends coach, whoever I think his name is Nick Cayley. Uh, they also have the running backs guy, Ivan Fears and Dante Scarnecchia. But kind of honestly, I wonder if those two are going to retire. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, there was somebody if, else in. If they do, man, I'll join you with this funeral dirge this year. Yes. Well, I, I'm, I so want to play that. And I'm going to play it. You know what? To hell with it. You will. Of course play. you will. I'm going to play it again next year because come on he can't play until he's 55 can he you're gonna play it every year alf yes i'm gonna play it rain dance always works if you keep doing it until it rains and i promise you like if if we draft calamari we will have an emergency you know podcast the very next morning the day that tom brady retires we're having an emergency I'm podcast. I'm not doing any emergency podcast in the morning. If they draft Kyler Murray, I'm not going to be conscious in the morning. Like, <laughs> Well, the day that Tom Brady retires, we're doing an emergency podcast. And I'm, and oh, I'm yeah. getting absolutely drunk on the air. It's going to be, that, it's going to be that, one that of the greatest happen. days of our lives. Yeah, that can happen, definitely. All right. We're going to go to break oh. right now. And when we come back, we're going to talk about alternative football. What am I talking about? <laughs> well, you'll see. But first, these words. We'll get back to the episode here in a second, but want to tell you about something that's going on in the Five Reasons Sports Network this week. It is Dwayne Wade's last All-Star game. We're excited about this. In his 16th season, we're making it a Wade weekend. So it wasn't enough to just cover with one person up in Charlotte and send my butt up there, but we're also going to have Nikias Duncan. You know him as at Nikias NBA. He's our premier NBA analyst on the network and also Lefty Leif. That's Greg Sylvander. You can follow him on Twitter too, at Lefty underscore L-E-I-F. So the three of us are going to be up there for all of All-Star Weekend from Thursday night through Monday. Here's how you follow us. We're going to do a podcast on the Five Reasons flagship feed and also on Miami Heat Beat. So type Miami Heat Beat into your favorite podcast provider. We're also going to provide some interviews with other NBA analysts, media people, former players, current players, anybody we can find up there in Charlotte. And also check out our Instagram feeds because that's where you can find all of the video that we'll be posting. Everything Dwayne does, we will be covering it. So follow us at five reason sports that's the number five reason sports and also at mia heat beat and also the same handles on twitter hey it's seth levitt here from the fish tank with my main man oj mcduffie the juice and juice we've got a special guest over the next two weeks in the tank what's up everybody it's pat sertan and i'm officially diving into the fish tank if he was better than peyton yeah he definitely wasn't better than me that's where we're going with it did you mm-hmm. and peyton ever play against each other in high school absolutely beat him 35 7 35 wow. to get out of here oh yeah i had three rushing and two passing on him accounting for all five touchdowns <laughs> <laughs> how did hands 
in all of them. Yeah. Hey, Pat came so, in here saying he doesn't remember stuff, but he remembered I'll remember all that. Remember. Make sure you dive into the tank to hear our entire interview with Patrick Sertan here on the Five Reasons Sports Network. You can catch up on what you've missed and hear new episodes every two weeks until July by searching The Fish Tank on Apple Music, Google Play, Podbean, Spotify, or wherever else you find your favorite podcasts. back on a three yards per carry and we're going to talk a little alternative football the aaf kicked off is that what it stands for what the alternative american football league yes (laughs) (laughs) i had no idea i didn't know i didn't know it was called the alliance american football league is that what it is really yes it's called the alliance of american football that's the name of the of the league i thought it was just i thought it was america's american football league yeah, and Bill Polian is in charge. He's like the commissioner of the whole thing. <laughs> God. And I don't know if you saw the Orlando Apollos, but they look like my early championship favorite. I don't know if you saw that game. Uh, did not. Afraid not. <laughs> Didn't catch it. Okay. They smoked the Atlanta Legends 40-6 to on opening night. The Legends? They smoked the Legends? Yes. Now, I watched all these games, believe it or not. Every single Man. one of them. Man, you are you are desperate <laughs> <laughs> okay. It is interesting, though, that the opening night on CBS did beat uh, a Houston Rockets, Oklahoma City Thunder game that was on ABC at the same time and beat them barely by, in the ratings, but did beat them. Which kind You of know, to be fair, I heard so many people on Twitter talking about these games. Yes. I, I am not surprised by that at all. Okay. People are excited about this. Now, how was the football? It's hard hitting. It's not what I would call competent, but guys are trying. Guys are playing really, really <laughs> hard. Okay. But they're trying. Yes. And if you saw the hit that that guy from the commanders took, oh my God, he almost got decapitated in game. Uh, I did see that. I, I saw his head went flying. Uh, yeah. I'm not, I think that is technically decapitation um, yes. based on um, what I saw on video. Yeah, but the rules are, I don't know, It's it, they're odd rules. You can't rush more than five. On defense, you can't rush more than five. There's no A-gap blitzes. You can't send a guy three yards outside of the tackle box, okay? And you can't send two linebackers on one side, all right? So, of course, there's no kickoffs. You start every, every possession at the 25-yard line, yeah. and you have to go for two every single time. There are no extra points. So... The, the rules are kind of odd, but I think that the rules were massaged to try to help along the play. And I would say that the play is like, you know, it's, it's not great. Although I did see one thing, and we're going to get into it right now. On mm-hmm. Sunday night, there was a game between the Arizona Hotshots and the Stallions, whoever the hell those people are. The Salt Ooh, Lake. the Stallions are good. Yeah. Well, they're not because <laughs> the Arizona Hotshots beat them 38-22. to 22. And the Hot Shots have a quarterback that busted out of the NFL at the age of 23. His name is John yeah. Wolford. He got too old. Yes. And he was actually a draft pick by the New York Jets. I don't know which round they took him. but The, pre, the pre-Adam Gaze Jets? I guess. And I watched this guy play, John Wolford, and I, was, and I was wondering, who the hell is this guy? Because he looked absolutely spectacular. Now, it's I funny. brought him up to you. 
And, well, I'll give you his numbers. It was 18 of 29 for 275 yards and four touchdowns. He also ran for 42 yards. Now, I brought him up to you, and you had something to say about him. So what, what was it, Chris? Remember, remember how you know how like our our commander in chief. There's like there's a tweet for everything. Yes. Uh, yeah, I think I think I pretty much have like a post for everything about quarterbacks or 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 a tweet. You know, one or the other. And uh, yeah, I'm familiar with him. I'm familiar with Walford uh, from his time at Wake Forest. Uh, I looked at him. I I, I got to admit, I was kind of told to look look at him or or at least somebody clued me in you know go ahead and look at this guy and um and so I did and it's hard not to like him I mean his last year at Wake Forest he was extremely productive uh really really phenomenal production uh both running and passing and you know he's got that fast footwork he's he's a small guy clearly he's actually he's actually under he's one of those under six foot guys he's five foot eleven and a half yeah, although they um, list him as six one, but any yeah, sleuthing shows you that he's about shit with last anybody. Um, but yeah, he's a, so he's a small guy. You can tell, but he's got those quick feet because you know, a lot of small guys do have quick feet. He got a quick release. You know, he's he's got a lot of touch and uh, a lot of accuracy, obviously. Uh, and he was making great decisions in his last year at Wake Forest. The the problems are that his his three previous years at Wake were not so good at all. And so it was just that one year really where he just, you know, just jumped unbelievably in his, uh, in his performance level. And you wonder why, I mean, I still wonder why, um, but not a guy with a great arm, not a guy with a lot of, you know, velocity or uh, power throwing. And, uh, and so, you know, I, I kind of had him on the list. I had like a, a running list of, I don't know, maybe like, uh, you know, 10 or so guys, that I could roll the dice on and, uh, and, and like, and they're not the same guys that everybody else has because I have a lot of UDFA types on, on that list every year. Whereas I actually end up avoiding most of the, the second through, you know, fifth, sixth round rated guys whenever I put together my quarterbacks list. And, uh, yeah, I had them there. I liked them, but, uh, you know, he's, he's a guy that's going to have to get lucky. And it sounds like, you know, he's got a chance to get lucky. He goes ahead and performs really well in this environment, like really, really well. Mm -hmm. Um, Then maybe, maybe he's going to have a chance. But in the end, you know, five foot 11 and a half, 200, you know, 200 pounds, 204 pounds, something like that. And not a, not a, not really a cannon of an arm. Uh, Not a bit, not a terrible arm. I'd call it like a Brett Rippin arm. Uh, Not, not necessarily and a uh, um, Gardner Minshew arm. <laughs> yeah. What's uh, interesting also in this league is that Terrence Garvin, remember him? Yeah. yeah. He had a pick six and he was like the defensive player. He had two picks in that game. Yeah. And he had one for, for six and he was the defensive yep. player of the week. Yep. <laughs> right he, the had ten, he had like 10 tackles and two interceptions. <laughs> yes. I don't Coverage know. linebacker. That's yeah. what he is. I don't know if this – although, do the Dolphins still own his rights? Because he was on this no, team. He was no, on the practice him, squad for 2018. I think they cut him. They cut him? At, I at believe so. Then? Yeah. Oh, okay. I mean, he was a veteran. He's, he's, not, he's not young, you know, in, in the NFL. Like, he was, he was on a free agent. He was, he was a vested free agent. All right. Well, this kid, John Walford, he looked good to me. He was completing everything. He completed a, a fade. I, I gave you the list. Completed a fade, a deep crosser, a skinny post, 
a go route. And uh, let me see what else. Oh, and a scene pass for a touchdown. He was all over the place and super accurate, throwing the ball down the field. Just looked really, really good. But maybe it's because all the other quarterbacks in the entire league look terrible. And I'm talking about yeah. every single one of them. <laughs> That's what was striking to me because, like, I was I was looking into the results and I actually I, – I didn't watch any of the games, but I, you know, I checked in on different games just usually just in time to see the quarterback being awful. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. and that's what struck me about these the this league and these teams is they're rolling out some terrible quarterbacks out there. Some guys that just aren't even I mean, I can see why these like old coaches that you know are are so conventional are rolling out these guys out there. And I think it's such a missed opportunity because, hey, you, you want to hire me as a consultant. I could, I could supply you with some guys that could look interesting and make your league highly rated, right? You know, yeah. at least maybe, maybe this isn't a guy that the NFL will want. Um, well, think about it. Would I, you tune in to watch Bryce Petty versus Johnny Menzel? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> But I, I mean, no, I've been thinking like you could poach some. There are some. There are some CFL guys out there. This the CFL is interesting because everybody thinks that if you're not good enough for the NFL, well, this guy can go up to the CFL and just absolutely dominate. Except it never happens because the CFL is like a very closed group. Like they have they have this like uh, musical chairs of quarterbacks that all all kind of circulate around the rest of the league, and they just don't let anybody else in. So the, the quarterbacks that are established in the CFL are the ones that are established in the CFL and, and new guys, especially rookies, rookies just don't play period. So if you're, if you're, you think that you're going to go from the C to the CFL as a rookie, cause the NFL said no, and you're going to go ahead and play, you know, I got news for you. Um, so, but there are guys just wasting away up there because, because they're so veteran oriented in the CFL and because they're so, um, I guess hostile against uh, against these new guys coming in, and I could I could poach you off like four or five of those guys and, and like put them in the a the a what is the AAF? Yes, and they will entertain you. <laughs> I don't for better or worse, they'll they they will entertain you, and not by being like you know like just awful and uninteresting and total milk toast. Yeah. Now, if you want to, you can go to the AAF dot com. And on the results page, which is their front page, they had the highlights of John Walford and in that game, and they have all his touchdown passes. So you could peruse nice. that. That's now, that's a good that's a good start for that for that league then. If they if they're doing they're doing well with their with their online presence and their their um their video and highlight package and and stuff like that, if they're doing well with that, then they're they're getting off to a good start. The league also has a couple of very, very nice looking uniforms and some uniforms that are absolutely hideous. Okay. <laughs> like the San Antonio Commanders uniform, that's a nice uniform. Okay. Mm. The Orlando Apollos uniform, kind of awful, but the helmet is okay. The Birmingham Iron, you got to see those uniforms, Chris. I didn't see them, I, but, but they're, they're spectacular. I, I, I want to see it now. <laughs> okay. So it's different this time around. From when the USFL, USFL was around and then the XFL the first time around, those leagues sought to actually compete with the NFL. And I'm going to have a trivia question for, for you, Chris, and a little bit about the USFL because that league actually had merit. Like that league produced Hall of Famers. All right? They had money. 
Yeah, it had money. They were buying players. And another another thing that a lot of people don't know, Dolphin fans, if you're listening to us right now, Donald Trump, yes, that guy, the, the, the president of the United States, tried to buy Don Shula from Joe Robbie and tried to have Dan Marino come to quarterback his team, the New Jersey Generals. And Steve Ross was a USFL owner. Yes. So there's a connection there. Okay. But this time around, it's different. And I kind of like what they're talking about. They're, they want to actively be a feeder league, and if not a feeder league, a developmental league. Do you think it could work? What would you do that's different than what they're doing now? From a business sense, no, I don't think it can work. I think that the, um, you know, the, the ratings, they got great ratings in that opening week, um, but they're going to have to continue to be really, really good to where they can get a lot of get great tv packages because i don't know if you saw those stadiums but they were empty yes they were and, uh, and so you know what you have to worry about with these these leagues is everybody thinks it's a great idea oh i'm just gonna you know it's just gonna be a feeder league it's gonna be a developmental league for the nfl what you don't understand is the nfl already has a developmental league and it's free it's yes. college it's in the NCAA. I mean, they don't have to pay a dime for for the NCAA. They don't have to pay all the for their medical bills or their workman's comp or anything like that. They don't have to pay insurance on them. They don't have to do anything for it. It's free. In fact, the colleges don't even have to pay workman's comp. That's where the student athlete designation came from. So, I mean, that's you know, that's that's what I keep thinking every time somebody has this bright idea that, and, and no offense to you, Alf, I'm not saying you, but like I always, somebody comes up and, and pops up on Twitter and they're like, like they just thought of it. Like, <laughs> like, the, like this is the first time somebody thought of this. Yes. And it's, it's like amazing to me. And I'm like, no, listen, you don't understand. It is very costly to maintain these NFL players in such a violent, you know, terrible sport as it is. Think of everything that we're talking about with the NFL, with CTE and stuff like that. I mean, this this developmental league is going to have to deal with all of that and deal with the insurance costs and the medical costs and all that, that sort of stuff, uh, as well as compensating the players. And they're going to have to do so with empty stadiums. And the, the best that they're going to hope for is maybe some ratings and a bailout from the NFL who is not very interested in the bailout. Like they, this is why they let NFL Europe go. They let NFL Europe cause go because it was like, mm -hmm. you know, this isn't, this isn't working. We don't, we, we have our feeder league. We have our developmental league uh, in the NCAA and it's free and we don't need you anymore. So I, I'm, I am a skeptical. I, I'm skeptical of this. I am a skeptic. Um, and so I, until, until I see something that, gets me off that and makes me think, you know, maybe this could actually happen. I'm just going to be like, yeah, XFL part two. Yeah. Now let me ask God, you this. hate me smart. <laughs> now let me ask you this. Would it interest you more if they had an under 25 rule that you can only play in the league if you're under 25 years old, or you can have something like uh, if you have under three years of NFL experience? I mean, it doesn't matter whether – would it interest me? Um, no, not necessarily. Uh, I think that the I I tried to watch some of those games, and what I was seeing was a terrible product at times. And uh, I guess that's true in the NFL sometimes too. Yeah. But um, you know, and that's that's the but it's a, they say it's a quarterback driven league, and I think that that's sort of the key. There are only so many humans on this earth that actually play 
professional football at the quarterback position at a certain level at a, at a very entertaining level and a, um, a very, you know, high caliber level. And it's one of the hardest things to do in sports. And, uh, and that's why the NFL protects them and they treat them like gold. And I don't think that this, I don't think any of these feeder leagues are going to necessarily have that. And so they're not going to get the ratings. And um, cause I think the fan, the average, even the average fan can be pretty discerning about the quality of the, uh, the football that they're seeing on the television screen. And no matter what they say about, I love, I love defense. You know, this was a low rated Super Bowl because it was defense and not offense. Yeah. Um, absolutely. So I, I don't know. I, I have a hard time believing it, no matter what you do with the rules on ages and stuff like that, it's always going to cost more than it's bringing in from a revenue standpoint to me. I mean, that's my opinion. Mm. Yeah, I don't I don't know if it's gonna if it's gonna work out. If you remember the XFL week one of the XFL they had a nine point five rating. Yeah, they had a great I watched. Uh, okay. That first week in the XFL, that nine point five, if you think about it, that's what NBA playoff games get. That's what NFL regular season games get. Right. Okay, so that's a monster rating. If yep. you want, you can go online and you could check the, the progression of their ratings. They went from 9.5 <laughs> to like 4.6 to like 2.1 to ones. And having a little bit of experience in, in TV production, if you pull ones nationally, you go off the air. Yep. Okay, it's as simple as that. All right. Now, this first week, they did, uh, well, I think it was a 2.3, and it beat NBA basketball 2.1. You could defend that if you have sponsors. I think that's the only thing that can make this league survive is sponsorship. But sponsorship tends to leave if you don't have the ratings. So Yeah, those ratings. Hold, if they can hold that two for the entire season, that'd be a great thing. If the XFL couldn't hold a nine – no, <laughs> and 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 at least hold it at two out of and, the nine. And, and let me let me say something about the XFL. The football made it may have been terrible or whatever it was, which yeah, it was pretty bad. But their TV production was top notch and actually yeah. better than what the NFL had. Which, and they were, I mean, they were really they were really trying to brand brand the hell out of it too. You know, they and, created yeah. the Skycam that you know that flying thing that you see that where you see the the field from above. They created yep. that. They invented that and then actually sold it to the NFL as a technology. So, <laughs> and maybe that's, maybe that's what will come ultimately of the AAF. And there's another one. What's the other one? XFL. It's, come, it's starting up next year. Oh, it, it is going to be the XFL? Yes, okay. it's going to be the XFL. Yes. Yeah. That's um, the one that Oliver Luck is running. That's, you know, maybe that's the f- final, you know, I, I guess, contribution of these leagues is they're going to come up with some – cool ideas that the NFL are going to steal. Yes. Now, Oliver Luck is going a different about it, about it a different way. He says that they're going to actively target the undrafted free agent market and sixth and seventh round picks. Is that going to work out? If he targets his son. <laughs> I mean, the USFL, the, the thing, you know, we talk about how legit it was. And to the extent that it was able to have success, it was because they were able to pull in players. Yes. You know? And I, I just have a hard time. I have a hard time thinking that this is going to be, you know, sustained. I think that yeah. football and pe- fans and people forget what the 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 original aim of the USFL was. The original aim of the USFL was to compete with the NFL, 
And Donald Trump really, his idea was to try to salvage four teams to try to merge them into the NFL. And then he was willing to settle for just two teams. One of his was going to be, you know, it's going to be his, of course. All right. And, but how did they do it? They, they spent and spent and spent. Yeah. Now I'm going to give you a list. Loads of money into it. Yes, they did. In 1984, they had five players up for league MVP in the USFL. These are the five players. Jim Kelly, Doug Flutie, Steve Young, Herschel Walker, and Reggie White. Jim Kelly won the MVP for the Houston Gamblers. <laughs> Incredible. Okay. The talent that that league had was insane. And there was more players, too. It, was, it wasn't just those guys. Okay. You had Anthony Carter. You remember how good he was as a wide receiver? Made like oh, four yeah. pro bowlers. Okay. He made four pro bowls. And then you had Bobby Aber. Remember, longtime quarterback for the, the Saints? He was a quarterback for the Michigan team. So that – The fact league, that they had Reggie White. Yes. And uh, they had Reggie White for the first three years of his professional career. Incredible. Okay. They actually had the, the first three years of all of these guys' professional careers, except Steve Young. Steve Young played his rookie year with the Tampa Bay Bucks, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and then uh, he left to the – Well, they Bucks. had some of our guys, didn't they? They, they, pulled, they pulled Larry Zonka, didn't they? No, that's the WFL. That was in the 70s. Oh, my bad. All right. Yeah. No, the WFL was another one that failed, and they actually took Larry Zonka, Paul Warfield, and I think it was Jim Kick from, uh, okay. the, from the Miami Dolphins. But, yeah, no, the USFL, they spent a ton of money. The contract that they gave Steve Young to pull him from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers was a 10-year, $40 million contract. Whew, back then. And back then – Back then, uh, to give you an idea, Dan Marino's first contract made him the highest-paid quarterback in the NFL at $5.8 million a year. Wow. While Steve Young was making four at the USFL, in the USFL. And at the time, Steve Young was not considered a great quarterback. He was considered uh, – really, he was considered a novelty act. He was considered a really good college quarterback that could be a good pro quarterback but left running to the USFL because he couldn't play for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. <laughs> then, of course, he comes back and takes over for Joe Montana, and the rest is history. He's in the Hall of Fame. But, yeah, I'm, I, I tend to agree with you. I, th- I thought that the games were, were fun, but I could see how I can lose interest. The novelty was, you know, the novelty is what really kind of got me, but I don't see how it can hold interest. Now, as, as a feeder league or a developmental league, maybe but I just don't see the value. Like, you know, I know that there's better players out there that got, that were, that went undrafted and, you know, didn't get cut. Now I saw that they got cut and now I see what they're paying the players. And it seems like it could be worthwhile to some of these guys that got cut. Like the high end is $8,000 a game. That's not terrible pay. And the low end is $5,000 a play, a, a, a game. That's they'll take it. Yeah, you know, if you're out of work, you know, you're not, you're not playing, you know, you know, you're a free agent. Like, let's say you're a free agent and you don't know if you're going to get picked up for next year and on an NFL team. Yeah, why not? You know, go and make a little a money. A, and then a guy has to have a $40,000 surgery. <laughs> well, I, you got to think that they have insurance, right? That these teams have insurance. Yeah. To pick up these bills. And if they do, then they're paying up the, well, up to something for it. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, I don't know. I don't think it's going to survive, but 
I have the Orlando Apollos winning it all. And, <laughs> there and you beating, go. And, and beating uh, Arizona in the final. Arizona, that Arizona's the one with your team, with your boy, right? Wolford. Yeah, John Wolford, yeah. I do suggest that you watch him, okay? Go watch the tape of that game. If, you well, if he gets MVP, I'll watch him. Okay. I saw he him at Wake. I mean, I, he's a good player. Yeah, he looked, he looked really, really good to me. Well, all right. We've been around Twitter, and we keep hearing all of this tank for Tua stuff, including yep. one beat writer who's – incessantly droning on and on and on about it. Your thoughts on hashtag tank for Tua. Yeah. For the final word, I just kind of wanted to put out some stuff about this tank for Tua idea because, um, you know, I just want to want to let people know what they're getting into with this. Uh, Cause over the last 20 years, there have been 25 teams to go two and 14 or worse. And, so, uh, and that's 25 teams over 20 years. So if you think the Miami Dolphins are going to sort of, and those teams did it all naturally. They, 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 weren't, they weren't trying to tank. They just, uh, you know, they just sucked. So if you think that the Miami Dolphins are sort of going to artificially force it and tank for Tua and, and make themselves bad, then what you have to realize is there is an overwhelming uh chance that they're going to have competition for that number i mean if they go two and 14 then there's an overwhelming chance that they're going to have competition for that number one overall pick uh, and it's going to come down to a tie break um there's about a one-third chance that you know two and 14 just doesn't cut it that two and 14 isn't good enough that there's some other one and 15 team there or an zero and 16 team there and then so of the rest you got the one third that's not good enough and then uh and then the rest you know say there's a coin flip or a tie break that goes one way basically if you go two and 14 you've got like a one and three chance of actually getting the number one overall pick so you've got to go one and 15 you've got to go one and 15 to do it and i'll tell you what of these 25 teams that have gone uh, 2 and 14 or worse, uh, you know, 16 of the teams had their coaches fired immediately, either midseason or right after the season was done. And the ones that survived, the ones that survived, you wish they were fired because they go on to they go on to a uh, like a .294 record. And that, that, that record actually is brought up a little bit by Jim Schwartz's Lions uh, having gone 2-14 and 14, uh, and then Jim Schwartz actually lasting for a couple more years, for like four more years. All of these other coaches, if they actually do survive going 2-14 and 14 or 1-15, and 15, uh, they are fired probably within a year. They go an average of about 4-12, and 12, uh, and you wish they had been fired earlier. Uh, and, and that's it that, you know, so this idea that, that we're going to tank for Tua through a quote unquote managed decline, as Simon likes to say, which is, which entails, you know, in the off season, we just don't sign any free agents and we cut some of the, we, we cut some of the extra weight, the dead weight, the, the, um, older guys, the more expensive guys and, and stuff like that. The idea that we can do that while simultaneously building a coaching staff that we think are a Super Bowl winning coaching staff. I mean, because that's what that's what Brian Flores is here for, right? That's why yeah. Chad O'Shea is here. Mm -hmm. Jim Caldwell, all these guys that have Super Bowl rings, all these guys that have championship experience, they're not here to go two and fourteen. And I think that if you if you actually believe that the team can go and be that bad, 
and be, you know, a terrible, terrible team and not get any shit on their shoes, then I think that you've got, I mean, this is a pipe dream. This is a pipe dream. It is just not realistic. If they go two and 14 or one and 15, they're a bad coaching staff because in this league, this parody driven league where you can pick up undrafted free agents and waiver wire guys, waiver wire guys we picked up last year were better than the guys we drafted. Okay. And, and you can pick up all these waiver wire guys to compete. Mm-hmm. people are winning cha- teams are winning champion the right coaching staffs are winning championships with waiver wire guys and undrafted free agents and such so if you think that we can actually legitimately go one and 15 or two and 14 and it, it, it doesn't mean anything about our coaching staff oh no, no our coaching staff is still is still championship caliber coaching staff no 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 they're fine yeah and, and to that we've point, got something else coming yeah, and to that point, Benjamin Albright had had a stat which I found fascinating. I kind of knew that it was true, but then I read it and I was like, okay, that's that's really fascinating. Do you know that last year in the NFL there were more undrafted free agents than there were fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh round picks? Yeah, absolutely, and and that's the, and that's the point. And these these teams are winning with this, and it's not like the Miami Dolphins are talentless. They can cut a lot of talent off the team, uh, the overpriced guys, the the veteran guys, and such like that. But if, if this is the right coaching staff, then they're still going to win too much to get the number one overall pick. And that's the that's the point that I want to make to people is all you have to do if you win two games then there's a two-thirds chance you didn't do it, that you yeah. didn't get to it, okay? If you win three games, then forget about it. Uh, if, so you have to basically go one in 15, and I don't care. I don't care who you've got on the roster. I don't care how much you managed the decline in the offseason. You are not going to win only one game with a championship-caliber coaching staff. It's not going to happen. If, if you want to tank for Tua, it means losing games on purpose. And that's yeah. the thing. That's the line that nobody wants to cross. That's the, that's the thing that nobody wants to say is, well, we're not going to lose on purpose. We're not going to play on game day to lose. No, no. If you want to tank for Tua, you're going to do that because that's the only way you can get them. Yeah, and think about it like this. You're, if you're a coach, a coach on this coaching staff, how can you ask Kenyon Drake, Xavier Howard, Minka Fitzpatrick, maybe even Rashad Jones, uh, you know, Godshaw, Vincent Taylor, any of the young guys, okay? How can you ask them to give you 110% two years from now, but you can ask them to completely yep. tank this past year? Like, it doesn't and work that way. And you blew a season of theirs in their prime. Exactly. That, it doesn't work that way, okay? It doesn't. It really doesn't. Yeah. The tank for two crowds, that's what I wanted to way too much dispel time. for everybody. I wanted to dispel this myth for everybody, like – you think that you think that we're hiring this great coaching staff, but really we're still going to tank and we're going to get to a Tagovailoa. It's not going to happen. It's yeah, not going to. If you hired the right work. coaching staff, it's not going to happen. Yeah, I think they have enough talent that by accident they win four games. And if that coaching staff is really good, they could even push nine. But the baseline is somewhere around six. Then forget it. You're not going to get. You're not going to get two of Tagovailoa with six wins. You're just not going to no. do it. No, and you're not going to be able to trade up to the number one overall pick for him because every team, there's 20 teams out there that can end up with that pick that are going to take him, that, that are not going to be very interested in taking the pick because they all want the next franchise quarterback for the next 10 to 15 years. And, and, so, and that's, what, that's what people are thinking that Tua Tagovailoa is. So, you know, I, 
no, it's, I'm sorry. It's an illusion. It's, it's, it's a pipe dream. It's fueled by unicorn farts and fanboy frustration. I mean, it's, it's not, it's not going to happen. Um, and, and the dolphins themselves are contradicting themselves by going on this, this hunt for great coaches or, you know, going on this uh, coaching staff hunt, putting together good assistant staff with Brian Flores when they should have just been promoting Matt Burke if they really wanted to do this. <laughs> yes, exactly. All right. Now, Chris, you produced, since we started the show off with Kyler Murray, you produced a, a, a video that's on YouTube right now. I will put a link to it right under where I put, you know, on Twitter, I put the latest episode. I will put a link to it. Tell the people what it is and what it was. Yeah, I, I put together a video of every single one of Kyler Murray's plays for this year. Uh, it is it is almost three hours. Including so. the handoffs? Yeah, no, uh, no. Every one of his plays. You uh, got lazy? You didn't want to? Yeah, I got lazy. I've, I've actually seen all of the handoffs. So I've seen every single play that Oklahoma has run this year. I've seen every pre-staff adjustment that he's made. I've seen every, you know, blitz read, every, every um, – you know, every time that he's made an adjustment on a run play to get a little bit of extra yards here or there, every time he's in between plays, when he gets control of players on his offense that are for some reason losing control, like what happened in the Texas Tech game a couple, uh, a couple of times with a couple of his players. You know, I've seen everything, and that's why I can be so confident that this is a number one overall player. Um, but this video does not have everything. It just has all of Kyler Murray's plays. And it is two hours and 53 minutes long. So, uh, no, you don't have to watch it all in one sitting, and it's not intended for that. But you can go to it and see any of Kyler Murray's games, and all, the description will have timestamp links in there. So you can click on them, and it'll take you to the UCLA game, or it'll take you to the – should uh, be released the, to theaters is what it should be. <laughs> well, he, yeah, his, his performances are theatrical. I would say that. Yes, he's exciting to watch. And if you – if you got this far listening to our, our podcast, that means you heard our, the, the opening that I, that I produced for this show. And in it, there's a quote from the great movie Seabiscuit, where he says, though he be but little, he is fierce. <laughs> All right. That's it. There is no more. Maybe we give you a bonus pod toward the end of the week with Simon Clancy when he gets back from Paris. All right. Till then. Thanks for listening to Three Yards Per Caddy. You can subscribe via iTunes, on Podbean, or your usual podcast provider. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret 
and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure.